The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome to the 60th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from the past week, as well as discuss my event of the week that I attended. Also, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Well, it's been another busy week here in June for throughout the sports world, but my highlight of the week was the Los Angeles Kings winning their first ever Stanley Cup in their 45th year of existence, the Kings went on a historic postseason run as the number eight seed, where they, along the way, they beat all three top seeds in the Western Conference and lost only one game on the road, which was uh, in the finals against the New Jersey Devils. And it was great the way they uh, were able to win at home. Uh, they obviously were going for a sweep in game four. Couldn't get it done. Then the Devils beat them back in Newark uh, in what was the only road loss of the playoffs for the Kings. And then uh, they returned to game six, and the pressure was really on. It was a 3-2 lead. And fascinating game. Uh, there was a major... Five-minute penalty, very, very early in the, in the game. And uh, the Kings scored three goals during that five-minute span. And basically it was over with, uh, with still about 50 minutes of hockey yet to go. But it was 3 nothing, and that was basically it. So it was just a night of celebration uh, that began again very early. And the atmosphere in and around the Staples Center and the whole LA Live complex if you've ever been out there just looked electric uh, you know as the City of Angels finally got uh, behind their hockey team and uh, which was good timing given the Lakers and the Clippers early exit from the playoffs this year so hats off to the Kings they got it done they did in the end face some pressure with uh, losing games four and five to the Devils but uh 
But they did it, and again, it will go down as one of the great postseason runs in sports history. No doubt about it. My lowlight of the week was the controversial decision giving Timothy Bradley the win over Manny Pacquiao in what literally every single observer and spectator of the fight said was just a complete sham. You know, combined with, uh, I mean, bad weekend when I think about it, combined with, uh, take that boxing match, combined with the horse, I'll have another being pulled from the Belmont uh, the day before its triple crown bid. And these two formerly popular sports, and they were, at times, maybe two of the most, of the top five most popular sports in America, easily, back in whatever, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, maybe even into the 60s. Uh, but they have absolutely uh, become shrouded in scandal of every type, and uh, boxing and horse racing are just becoming less relevant by the day. It's really a shame, me personally, I mean... I look back and I think of, uh, you know, the Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier one fight uh, when I was a kid and it was still to this day simply the biggest sporting event in my life and I can remember exactly where I was and uh, I was pretty young then. And horse racing, I grew up uh, around horse racing, used to go see it uh, in Charlestown, West Virginia, uh, not far from my home in Pennsylvania where I grew up and in recent years I've gone out a couple times to Saratoga and it is absolutely a great take uh, but you, you know that, that being a great take at Saratoga is a law, far cry from uh, what went on with the pulling of I'll have another from the Belmont Stakes so sad to see it really is uh, two once great sports uh, Again, less relevant by the day in uh, sporting America. And my bizarre story of the week was uh, the NBA TV documentary on the Dream Team. And the part that I found extremely bizarre was uh, where Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen Basically, 20 years later, basically coming clean on the freezing out of Isaiah Thomas from the Dream Team, uh, despite the fact that Chuck Daly, who coached Isaiah Thomas to two titles with the Pistons, was also the coach of the Dream Team. So them freezing him out, uh, the two Bulls freezing out Isaiah, uh, Hard enough in any circumstance, particularly hard when the coach was Isaiah's coach with the Pistons. And uh, the other thing I found interesting, revealing, uh, was that Isaiah was referred to in this documentary, which, by the way, is absolute must-see TV, um, that he was called, you know, the, the general of the Pistons uh, bad boys back in the era uh, and all their uh, 
as Johnny Most, the Celtics announcer, used to call them, the McFilthy and McNasty tactics that they employed. And boy, do I recall them well in their battles with the Celtics. Uh, just the other day, Robert Parrish was on local radio, and the chief talked uh, talked about when he decked Bill Lambeer in the playoffs back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Um, again, those Celtics-Pistons playoff series were absolutely off the charts in those days. Uh, sure, you may all remember uh, Larry Bird got into it with Bill Lambeer. Uh, Larry just snapped. And, uh, and speaking of snapping, I mean, Robert Parrish, among the most stoic NBA players in history, uh, you know, just up and decked Bill Lambeer uh, during a playoff series. And those were just, you know, unbelievable years. It all started, you know, thinking back to Isaiah specifically. Uh, you know, it was Isaiah who threw the famous pass that was intercepted by Larry Bird, who then passed off to DJ uh, for that incredible, incredible Game 5 victory back in the late 80s, uh, one of the NBA's easily top five moments in its history. And it's been great to see them uh, showing it, as they always do, more and more during these uh, playoffs and into the NBA Finals. And uh, lest we forget, you may remember Isaiah made comments back during that era that were deemed racist uh, by many. And Larry Bird, uh, Larry Bird uh, came to his defense and basically defused what could have been uh, a volatile situation. So anyway, uh, again, must-see TV, the NBA special on the Dream Team. That was a spectacular summer uh, when they went to Barcelona and basically smoked everybody in sight. Charles Barkley is in many ways the star of the show, but, you know, just to see Barkley along with, of course, Magic, Bird, and Jordan is just fantastic stuff. Uh, as I just described, learned some things I never knew, and it took 20 years for a lot of this uh, to come out. And now, uh, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next will be Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Sports have become a big part of everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words, we want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports, featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. 
When it comes to youth and high school football, listen each week to Coach Al Gross at First and Ten Football. Coach covers vital topics relating to the latest trend on a national level. Join Coach as he interviews personalities from the NFL, NCAA, and the top high school coaches from around the country. Catch all the interviews and get in-depth information online at www.firstand10football.com. Your national resource for youth and high school football. First and Ten Football airs Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests. And on the line with us now is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And Barry, how are you doing today? I'm terrific, John. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for joining us, as always. Well, a compelling game last night in, uh, in the NBA Finals uh, as the Heat got a uh, huge victory. And uh, interesting game. I thought that, uh, you know, the, the Thunder... Uh, seemed to be getting into a very, very bad habit of uh, starting slowly. They were losing 18-2 to last night, uh, uh, starting slowly like they did against the San Antonio Spurs. But what, to- what last night told me was, you know, they might have got away with it against the Spurs, clearly an older team like the Celtics, but they're not going to get away with it against the much younger and much more athletic Heat and basically the Thunder never led, never had a lead the entire game. They made a furious comeback in the fourth quarter. Great television, but then they just, you know, couldn't get it done because, uh, you know, they just had nothing left. They were fight playing, fighting uphill all night long. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think if you look at the, the first two games, I think the game one. Uh, Almost you, you could have forecasted game one going the way it went. You know, you had Oklahoma City, you know, a young team, you know, really uh, a lot of young legs, uh, well-rested, playing at home, you know, ready for that, for that, for that big game, uh, that big opener. And, um, and he almost, you know, sometimes you see, you see this happen. If you have two, no matter what the sport is, if you have a conference final, you know, a, 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 a seven-game conference final, very emotional, very hard-played uh, the winner of that game normally comes into game one of the finals not always giving their best effort. So you almost had to expect, you know, the Heat, you know, coming off that, that emotional uh, physical series with Boston, maybe on a little bit of a down. You know, you had the Thunder waiting for another really tough spot for the Heat in game one. Uh, game two, I think, you know, you kind of had things, you know, kind of you know, settling back a little bit into the way we expected it to be. I'm, obviously, nobody's expecting it to be a sweep either way. I think a lot of people are expecting it. 
to be a long series, to be a good series, and you, you kind of expected the Heat to come out in front last night, even though they really had to fight off the thunder toward the end to do it. And really, you know, uh, the, the Heat pretty much had the early lead, you know, as we said, and, you know, kind of just just, just held on. And I, I just kind of wonder, you got to wonder about that non-foul right at the end of the game. You kind of wonder, what I was thinking seeing that was, I kind of wonder if it were the other way, if, if it were, um, if it were, uh, uh, LeBron driving on Durant, how that would have went if there wasn't a foul, you know, going the other way. So, you know, uh, the good, you know, the smart players in the league get the calls, and you know, uh, the other guys don't. So, you, know, you you might think that you know, if you look at it that way, I mean, if you look at the replay, it was clearly LeBron was clearly holding on to Durant's arm on that last shot. So clearly, they, clearly, yeah, clear, clearly, yeah, they were interlocked. Yeah, you know, if, if you're not going to get that call at home, when are you going to get that call? You know, I, I, I want to. I'd like to think if it were um, if it were Mario Chalmers, uh, you know, defending against Kevin Durant, gotten that call. You know, that's 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 the way it's in, in the NBA sometimes. So, um, you know, you just kind of accept it and move on. And you know, I think most people accept, most people kind of figured that you'd see a, a split of these first two games anyway, which you know was good news for the Heat. So, you know conceivably, not likely, but conceivably go home under the 2-3 format in the NBA Finals, go home. I have to go back to Oklahoma City, but that, 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 that seems unlikely. I think it's gonna, it, this series is going to go 6 or 7 for sure. And, uh, you know, so now we, now, we have, now we have a series. Now we have five, so uh, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. But, uh, yeah, it's, it was been, it's been very good theater the, pe- the past, for, uh, past two games. It's entertaining, and I believe Game 1 got one of the, was one of the highest-rated Finals games in the last 20 years, I think. So, uh, uh, so, yeah, so the nation is uh, definitely riveted and definitely interested in this series. Oh, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with all of your points. Uh, and, yes, I, I find it very entertaining. I think it, it's watching these two teams, is, uh, particularly Oklahoma, is kind of like watching a game in, uh, on Fast Forward. They're just, you know, sprinting up and down the court. And it's particularly compelling because, you know, not only are the Thunder doing that, that's their game, but, you know, the Heat, uh, maybe just only a half a step behind them, the Heat are equally uh, devastating in transition. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's just basketball the way we all dream about basketball being played at the highest level, which is just, you know, watching gazelles that, uh, you know, just sprinting up and down the court and you have uh, arguably the two, the world's two best players. I don't know how arguable it is. I think there's probably uh, acclamation, the two worlds, the world's two best players in LeBron and Durant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, you know, you could, uh, you could probably make the case that, you know, the, the world's two best quote sidekicks in, uh, and Dwayne Wade and Russell Westbrook, uh, both guards, so both, you know, both hit with their hands on the ball a lot, leading transition breaks. Uh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. And then sprinkled with, you know, some other very compelling players. I mean, I, I'm for me, one of the hidden treasures in this first two games and throughout the playoffs has been Serge Ibaka and, and just watching him make shots. Uh, fascinating player, and the, I think uh, another key coming up, James Harden, who is just a spectacular player, has basically been invisible these first two games. That will not continue. 
Yeah, I don't think so either. It's been really good throughout most of these playoffs. And I think you know, the nation is uh, in, the, in the basketball world. Everybody watches the finals all over the world. You know, they're, they're getting to know who, who the Oklahoma City Thunder is and where, you know, where they you not know, really been aware of them outside of, uh, out of Kevin Durant and perhaps Russell Westbrook. But, you know, a couple other factors last night. You know, uh, fairly or unfairly, I think this series is, is kind of become a mandate on LeBron James. Uh, you know, it's not, it may not totally be fair for him to be in this position, but, you know, in the NBA, you're, you're, you're judged, uh, you're, you, your legacy is judged by winning rings. And, you know, if, if he is able to win a championship, this will dispel a lot of the negativity that follow, uh, LeBron, where he, you know, wherever he has gone the past several years of his career, especially since leaving Cleveland to go to Miami, um, with the big decision. Um, also, I think uh, all, another huge factor last night was, you know, let's not forget about uh, the contributions of Chris Bosh, you know, double figures, uh, points and rebounds back in the starting lineup after, you know, being that, that six-man role. So maybe uh, Eric Spolster feels that that's his best combination, and it certainly worked last I think what you saw is, you know, uh, again, in the past, you've seen LeBron in these types of situations, playing games, you know, passing up shots, looking to pass the ball, not being aggressive, settling for a jump shot. You know, he was he was a little more aggressive last night, I thought. And he and he also got the help from uh, from uh, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, which is, he hasn't always gotten it. It's, it's been you haven't really seen those guys always on the uh, all three of those guys uh, on the same page. So I think last night you saw that, and that's and that's uh, you know the big reason why they're able to win. Now, all that said, all that happened well for the Heat down the stretch. And it was still a close game. They still managed to speak it out. So what that tells you is, I think that you know there, there is definitely the uh, very good chance of this being a very long series. You know, it's not as if they blew they blew out the Thunder. So Thunder, you know, kept it close. Was able to make that comeback. The Heat held them off. You know, pretty much playing playing their style and playing their game. So you know, what that's again, what that tells you is it's going to be a long series. And uh, don't count out the count out the Thunder. It's it's, it's going to be a long one. I agree. I agree. And I think uh, LeBron is slowly but surely with uh, game six and seven against Boston and games one and two, particularly last night, game two. uh, I think he's starting to shed that, you know, can't do it in the fourth quarter thing uh, because he's clearly doing it in the fourth quarter. He didn't need to in game six because he did it from the opening tip right on in his 45 point uh, masterpiece. And then, uh, but game seven, he did get it done at the end. And last night, he did get it done in the end. I mean, not exactly the, you know, what everybody I think really wants to see, which is, you know, a buzzer beater. And, and, uh, you know, and preferably a buzzer beater in a game that will decide a series or ultimately that will decide the NBA finals, i.e., a buzzer beater in game. five, six, or seven that will literally win the Heat, the championship. I, I think that's what, you know, many people need to see before they will finally, finally let LeBron rust in peace, so to speak. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah I, I agree with a lot of that, but I, I do think that if, you know, if he were to win, if the Heat were to win, no matter, you know, you want him to be a major contributor, but I just think him getting a ring Will, will silence a lot of that. That, 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 just, that just tends to happen. But yeah, I, I agree. I think you want to, you know, the, his detractors and, 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 and all the haters, you know, they, they, they want it, they, they're like, okay, you know, it's time to put up or shut up. Let's go and let's, let's see what you can do. And he's under a microscope. And, you know, it, again, whether it's fair or not, you know, that, that's, 
that kind of doesn't matter. It's just kind of the way it is, and always that, and you know, especially in a uh, individual jersey, the NBA is that's the way players are viewed. You know, so not not so much in the other sports, but certainly in the NBA. So I think um, you know, I think you know, you know, if if the Heat uh, are to fail and win this series, I, I think you'd see you know a lot of the pressure. Uh, off LeBron, but um, you know, maybe you know, who knows? Maybe not as much as we think. If uh, you know, if he doesn't, if he, if he doesn't hit that last second shot or score or average thirty points a game, you know, it's like they say, haters going to hate. So there's, there's going to be a reason. You know, people who don't like LeBron probably will still find a reason not to like him. But you know, I think for most people, you know, him winning a ring will, will be enough to get that off his back. And I, do, I totally agree with that. Yes, if you know, if you're talking two things that people want to see from LeBron, number one, a championship, and number two, fourth quarter buzzer beaters, um, the championship is you know seventy to eighty percent of it that gets, you know, most of it off his back, and then the other part would simply be almost kind of icing on the cake. Uh, but yeah, there. Even if they win a championship, depending on the role he plays, uh, there'll still be haters out there who don't want to give him, you know, credit unless he single-handedly leads them to the championship. Uh, but you know, it's it's good stuff, and you know, we've talked a lot about LeBron, but I mean, Kevin Durant is just special in every single way. I mean. He was hitting shots during that fourth quarter rally last night, that furious comeback that were just remarkable. I mean, he was seven for seven from the field during into the fourth quarter, missed a couple, but also made some unbelievable shots. And here's the scary part about Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and the Thunder. Durant and Westbrook are both 23 years old. I mean, how, how scary is that? If they can keep that team together, I mean, you're, you're, these guys are going to be good for a long, long time. Long, long time. And Durant also, you know, I mean, what's amazing is he, he's just a tremendous shooter. And, you know, he's six feet 11. And he, he seems to be a really good guy. We never know, as we've often said. But, you know, all outward appearances appear uh, solid with him. And, you know, he just appears like uh, a great ambassador. And, I mean, to me, the ultimate thing that could come out of this for the NBA would be if Durant and LeBron ended up a la Magic and Bird. And that could actually happen. There'll never be another Magic and Bird. They were the originals. They, quote, saved the NBA back starting in 79, 80. Um, but, you know, this could be a pretty good, uh, a pretty good sequel. I can see that happening. I mean, and the other yeah. thing, too, I mean, you know, it, it, there's, there's the off-court stuff, too. I mean, you know, Durant, you know, kind of, you know, he, he kind of came on the scene, you know, last year you know, dur- during the uh, the playoffs, you know, uh, wearing the backpack to post-game right. interviews and the glasses, you know, kind of the, the nerd chic thing going. And, you know, yep. that, 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 make, that makes you more a little, you know, that, that makes it more intriguing. That makes it more interesting to the, you know, maybe the casual observer, maybe not the hardcore uh, oops fanatic. But, you know, I think people, you know, people like that type of thing. You know, it makes, it makes people, it makes these guys more interesting. So, you know, I think there's a lot of that too. And, you know, when you're on the stage, you know, the hugest stage uh, of, the, of, of the league uh, during the NBA finals, you know, you get to really, really show that. And it was kind of funny, uh, kind of enjoyable watching and Westbrook on the, on the, uh, on the podium uh, the other night uh, after game one, you know, with the big glasses and just kind of, kind of hanging out uh, on the, on the podium. So that was kind of fun. And I think people enjoy that. And again, I think that makes you more, uh, more likable and, you know, certainly more interesting. Oh, absolutely. It's great. And then, you know, to even take it a step further, you know, 
uh, LeBron has clearly been the anointed one since literally eighth grade right. back in Ohio, uh, whereas Durant, as good as he is and as great as he was at Texas in college, let's face it, he was the number two guy. He was the other guy to Greg Oden Absolutely. in that draft. And so, you know, he has, you know, every right to have a, a bit of a chip, not that he plays or acts that way uh, as a guy with a chip on his shoulder, but, you know. Uh, they've taken different paths to get to where they are, which is simply the two best players in the world. And with that said, Barry, why don't we take our break? And I know you're sticking around with us on the other side. So time for our break. Your internet flagship station for sports... America Sports. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done, and Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post is still with us on the line. And Barry, we talked a little basketball, and now, sadly, it feels hockey season is over, but... uh, the L.A. Kings certainly left us with a lot of memories during their historic postseason run to the Stanley Cup. Yeah, well, it really was was a terrific run, and uh, I, I think you know, hey, hey, listen, hats off to the Devils for making it a series, for making it interesting for 
themselves relevant. And, you know, they're, they're a, such a proud franchise, especially, you know, you know, the guys that have been there throughout their, their cup years, you know, you know, for Marty Bordeaux at age 40 to have the, the playoff run that he had, you know, coming from the sixth seed in the East, they, they just did such a great job and, you know, kind of forgetting to the point that they did. But, you know, for the Kings to, you know, come from where, where they came from, you know, in the, you know they, I mean, they did not look like an eighth seed throughout this entire playoffs. I mean, they knocked off the top teams in the West and then, you know, took care of the Devils in the finals. And, you know, the, the games that they had to win, they really, you know, the, 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 the the, the last game, obviously, you know, six to one, and then I believe it was uh, it was four also. So you know, the, out of those games, they really those, those two those two particular games, they really took it to the devil. But yeah, I mean, what a what a performance by Jonathan Quick and uh, Andre Kopitar and you know, Dustin Brown, and they, they, I mean, they, you know, talk about uh, you know, much like the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, I think Kings are a team that that the nation really got to see and got to learn about and 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 got to like. I think. I mean, they're a likable team, and you know. Um, a lot of parallels to Thunder in a lot of ways. It's interesting. You know, there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, chatter on the internet about how you know some uh, media members and some outlets in LA, you know, really didn't treat the Kings very well as far as um, as far as visibility, uh, as far as awareness. Uh, you know, there, there was well, I believe it was one of the TV stations out in uh, in LA when they 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 ran some sort of. Uh, 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 Film. Well, it was a little lead into the Kings coverage, and they were showing the actually the mascot of the Sacramento Kings uh, at some rally or something. So, you know, <laughs> I, I think I think there was a lot of definitely a, a big learning curve for, for Southern California. We'd like to think that Wayne Gretzky uh, kind of closed that curve a few years back in the nineties, but apparently uh, they still have a little bit of learning to do. And uh, I believe there was another. Uh, Another newscast out there where the where the, uh, the the commentator mentioned saying that the Kings had the ball at one point during the game. So you know it, that, it, it didn't turn everybody around to hockey, but you know certainly for for hockey fans, it was uh, it was a lot of fun and it was great to watch. And uh, you know what happens next? I, I think the, the main difference between the NBA and the NHL and the NHL in a lot of sports. I think really the NBA is only really the only now where you, where you don't really have this parity issue. I mean, the NHL seems to pride itself on on parity, and you know, look how the playoffs wound up. We had a six versus eight in the finals, right? Um, you know, uh, the NFL certainly. You know, with the with the free agent system, you know, you're 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 not able to keep guys that you want to keep. You have your a lot of really good players. You're bouncing around from team to team. Um, you know, certainly, the uh, you know baseball. Left to think it has parity. I'm not really sure it does. You know, with with, with you know the uh, with the previous situation the way it is there. But I think uh, in hockey, you know, you got a lot of guys bouncing around from team to team, and you'll be interesting to see if, if if the Kings can keep this team together and and, and kind of build from this. I mean, they you know did not distinguish themselves to the regular season, barely made the playoffs, and then look what they did. So this goes to show you when you get a hot goalie and. Things are rolling for you. You can, you can make a lot of noise when when you when you get out at the right time. Absolutely, and it's you know really uh, you could probably make the case that it is one maybe the hottest hot goalie Stanley Cup winner since literally Ken Dryden did it to the you know Boston Bruins back in the early seventies, uh, which you know instantly made his career uh, into a Hall of Famer, literally in a household name. And I think that uh, Jonathan Quick could be headed right down that same path. Uh, again, what he did was nothing short of amazing. Uh, 
So, yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, hockey's unlike any other sport where, again, a hot goalie can create what we just saw, simply taking an eight seed right through to the Stanley Cup, racking up, you know, historic, never-before-seen uh, records, such as, you know, only lost one game on the road, that type of stuff. So uh, yeah, it's been cool. fun. Yeah, that's the most amazing thing to me. I think is is, is their success on the road, and especially for a, for an eighth seed to you know to come together at this time of year and play the way they did and just shut down teams and you know you know they beat the top three teams in the West. I mean, you know, Vancouver and and St. Louis and my gosh, I mean they they just played great. And yeah, and a lot of times in in I agree. And, and ho- hockey is probably the one sport where an individual. Uh, you know, now, of course, you know, the NBA being an individual driven league, as we spoke about before. But when you get a hot goalie uh, and, and he's, you know, and he's making making saves that that you know, you kind of wonder. You have to watch on the replay and you think, gee, how the heck did that not go in the net? You know, then then you got something special. And uh, again, hope for the Kings they can they can keep this core together, this young, exciting core together, and uh, and build on it for next. Year. Yes. Well, you know, I mean. Thinking back, and it seems like a lifetime ago, you know, the Kings served notice right at the beginning of the playoffs when they beat last year's Stanley Cup finals participant, Vancouver Canucks, who, you know, uh, are one of the, who had won their second straight President's Cup, meaning the best regular season record. And, uh, yeah, the Kings came right out of the box, beat them, and, and, boy, they were just on their way right off the bat. Yeah, I mean it was just, it was it was tremendous to watch. It was a lot of fun, and uh, you know again you have the, the parity issue. You have the uh, you know, the Kings coming out of the eighth hole, and the Devils coming out of the sixth hole. Both of them knocking off the top seed either conference. So uh, yeah, I think it was compelling. You know, it'd be interesting. I don't know how the, what, what, what the ratings were like. Uh, I, I think that uh, you know for hockey fans, I think it was it was a great playoff and a you know a great uh, you know kind of a vault into into the off season. And uh, you know there, you'll, there'll be some. You know, as there are in free agency, you, know, you do have a do have a labor issue coming up in the NHL. Hopefully, it won't lead to a uh, protracted lockout. Um, but I do think that you know you have the potential for some you know young players. You know, maybe playing for different teams. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about uh, Zach Parisi. You know, maybe maybe maybe, get, uh, maybe getting wooed away from the Devils, uh, like so say the Red Wings or the Rangers. Uh, you know, there have been a lot a lot of other pieces, a lot of other moving parts. You know, Rick Nash is always the popular name of a guy to be traded makes money but he plays for the worst team in the league so there's a lot of good teams that are interested in somebody like him so there's a there's a there's going to be a lot of talk in the offseason about some uh you know some some young exciting faces uh you know maybe being uh uh being courted by other teams so we'll you know we'll see how that shakes out yeah although interestingly zach parisi come out in the last uh day or two saying he would absolutely like to stick with the Devils. And Parisi, of course, is the player who scored the game-tying goal in the gold medal game against the uh, against Canada, preceding what ultimately was Sidney Crosby's overtime goal to win it, the gold medal. But, uh, you know, I, I at that moment I said Parisi's a big-time player, and uh, I would think any team would love to have him. He is a big-time player in the NHL as well as uh, the Olympics. And, Barry, we're down under two minutes, but just before we close, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on 
the Devils and, you know, and for, for that matter, the Rangers in that, you know, what was the effect down in New York with the Devils losing? Uh, how was that received uh, in the greater New York area, knowing the Devils are, of course, in New Jersey? Um, funny enough, in, in the city, it really, it really wasn't that much, much, of a, much of a check. I mean, most Devils fans are already in New Jersey. I think, you know, people in New Jersey were obviously, uh, you know, upset. And I think, they got, I think they got excited if the Devils won won uh won those two games to make it three two. Um, you know, it was like it was almost like can this be Marty Brodeur's, you know, possibly last stand. I mean, he's another guy. I mean both he and Priest both said they would like to stay with the Devils. It kinda it it, it in fairness not be up to them. It may not be their decision to make because, you know, it's up to the Devils if they you know, whatever the cost constraints are. I mean the Devils have had uh financial issues off the ice with ownership. So you, know, you kind of wonder, you know, what they look like. You kind of wonder if they're going to be able to afford these guys. Um, you know, you know, as as we just mentioned, you know, there there are teams that are going to break the bank. They're going to open up the vaults for Zach Parisi. You know, the uh, you know the Red Wings that, that everybody's talking about is doing that. So um, you know, it, it may not be his decision to to stay with the Devils. And you know, he's an upstanding guy. He is the team captain. I'm sure he would love to stay with the Devils, but you know, it may not be his decision to make you know that when you if you, if you got people if, if you're in a position like that and you know he's, he's in a great position to be you're going to have teams throwing a lot of money at you and it's going to be really hard to say no so it, you know uh, it, it's fine and good and I'm sure devil fans are, are happy that he wants to stay but um you know we'll, we'll see what happens when when the when the offers start coming in absolutely and of course the fate of the devils will largely rest with uh the future although probably short of uh, Marty Brodeur, who, again, showed he is a world-class Hall of Famer uh, and has had a great career, three, winner of three Stanley Cups. And, uh, you know, the fact he was in the series, uh, in the finals, is what, you know, that was the X factor to me. That was the wild card, because with him being in that, and anything was possible. And, I mean, the fact... And he helped carry them to the finals, which was amazing in and of itself. And Barry, I know uh, you need to jump off the line, but I want to thank you, as always, for joining us today. And uh, and look forward to doing it again next week. Always nice to be here, John. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. And uh, so we're going to take a break now. And on the other side, we're going to discuss my event of the week, which was the... Uh, Connecticut Sun versus the Atlanta Dream down at uh, the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut. to the pros we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports we some hard hitters we some hard hitters hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show your hosts are nfl veterans mark mcmillan and co-host byron evans it's an hour of hater free radio every week You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. 
Fantasy Sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And thanks again to Barry Rubenstein from New York Post for joining us with uh, his usual insights during the previous two segments. And now we'll get on to my event of the week that I attended, which was uh, perfect timing since uh, I went to the Connecticut Suns. 92-73 victory over the Atlanta Dream on Sunday afternoon at Mohegan Sun, which was uh, the perfect antidote to getting over the Celtics' Saturday night loss in Game 7 to the Miami Heat. And it was a great game. It was a big week for the Connecticut Sun this past week, and Sunday was a great game, or a record-setting game uh, in many ways, uh, as Tina Charles, the Sun star, tied the franchise record for career double-doubles with her 50th in her 75th ever game, which was simply the fastest in league history to reaching 50 double-doubles. Later in the week, two nights ago, Wednesday night, she broke the record by having her 51st double-double. So Tina Charles will be on the uh, U.S. Olympic women's team in London this summer. And she simply has become one of the league's dominant players. Again, as a UConn product, usually popular in the Connecticut area. She has patterned her post-game after uh, NBA legends Tim Duncan and Akeem Olajuwon. And here's Tina talking about her post-patterns. UConn days, and you know, the more you practice it, the more confidence you get. You know, like, um, you know, in the games when I use my left hook and, and things like that, that's just from watching film on Olajuwon and Duncan, you know, just doing things and practicing and practicing. And I found it fascinating to find out this past Sunday that uh, those are the two players that uh, Tina has fashioned her game after, and uh. Sun coach Mike Tebow had this to say about uh, Tina's work in the post. Talk about I mean, that's, she, she reminded me of him a lot because of her demeanor. You know, today, you know, when all the kind of crap was going around everybody, she was kind of, you know, calm in the middle of everything that was going on. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know who else she compared to. There's, you know, 
there's good post players that, you know, I think uh, she's trying to steal a little bit from everybody's game. She studies NBA post players. Um, you know, she, she watches uh, you know, old school post players too, like, like Elijah Warren and people like that. She's trying to, to steal some of that too. So she's a working product. I don't know who she is yet, but that's Duncan right now is probably the closest I can come to. And uh, who knew that uh, Tina Charles was studying these post players? Certainly I didn't, and uh, I cover the team on a regular basis. And again, uh, doing so, uh, Tina Charles uh, is just becoming a beast for that team. And I mean that in all the positive ways. She is just uh, truly becoming a dominant player, night in, night out. And here's... Uh, Sun coach Tebow talking about uh, Tina's MVP possibilities. She plays with good teammates for one thing. Teammates are willing to throw the ball, but you know, it, it, I, I think she's an MVP candidate. But there's some pretty good performances going on in our league right now. I mean, you know, um, we don't see Chicago for a while, but I'm watching Sylvia Fowles play, and you know, those two have a little bit of a friendly rivalry going. And you know, Sylvia's playing at this level also. Um, you know, Warren Jackson, when she's healthy and in the league, she plays at that level. So um, it, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, over the course of the season how it plays out. But I, I think I think she can be one of the best of all time if it continues this way. And, uh, yeah, Coach Tebow mentioned Chicago and... Uh, the Heat are, excuse me, the Sun are, sorry, got heat on the mind after the Celtics series. The Sun are currently uh, in second place in the Eastern Conference with a 6-2 and two record, second to Chicago and Sylvia Fowles. Um, but they're having a great year, and again, as I referenced earlier, uh, the, the game uh, was in many ways a record-breaking game. Uh, and another record tied was Kara Lawson, uh, Connecticut Sun Guard, who many of you may know from uh, ESPN coverage of uh, the NCAA Women's Postseason Basketball Tournament. Well, Kara shot five for five from three-point land uh, this past Sunday to become just the third Sun player to make five threes without a miss in a game. And the team also shot... 61.7% from the field. Very, very impressive. It was very fun to witness and cover the game at courtside. And uh, it was the second highest shooting percentage for one game in team's history. And here is Carol Lawson discussing the team's uh, shooting percentage that night. For that, um, you know, they went in. But, I mean, when it goes in, the game's easy. You know what I mean? It looks easy. Everybody feels good. You know, obviously, it's not going to happen every night like that, but... Good. Glad I Carrie, you were close to a career high yourself, just three points shy. Can you tell me uh, what was working for you tonight? No, just open looks. You know, you get open looks from the three because everyone pays attention to And Kara continued on to talk more specifically about her particular night shooting five for five. And there's always a lot of attention being paid to Tina, so um, that means somebody's open. So it was me and I. Terrific. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. So that was uh, me talking with Kara Lawson after Sunday's game, uh, victory over the Atlanta Dream. And on Wednesday night, two nights ago, uh, the Sun went national 
with a game broadcast on ESPN2 uh, when they played, uh, hosted the Los Angeles Sparks, and the Sparks beat the Sun 87-81. to And as I mentioned earlier, Tina Charles set the new franchise record uh, and league record with her 51st double-double. Uh, and she also extended her franchise record double double-figure scoring streak to 20 games. So again, it's just uh, every game she seems to be, you know, flirting or setting new records, tying them, whatever. Uh, a couple weeks ago, June 3rd, I went to the game down in Connecticut uh, against the Washington Mystics, and she missed her career high uh, of 31 points by just one point, scoring 30. So she is... Uh, really on pace for, you know, a uh, tremendous career, and it's going to be fun to watch. And uh, But it was also fun to watch on Wednesday night, uh, again, watching the game on ESPN2 as, uh, you know, she went head-to-head often throughout the game against Candace Parker, formerly of Tennessee, national champion, tremendous player. Uh, and in some ways, the face of the WNBA. And Candace Parker was just immense. She scored her season high, 33 points, had 16 rebounds, and just basically put on a show. There were uh, moments where she simply was carrying the team on her back. Uh, the Sparks, uh, she was big at the end. And uh, close game, went down to the wire. Uh, Sun held a late lead, but then the the Sparks, you know, came back, scored the last five points. And uh, again, it was really, uh, you know, fascinating, fascinating television, two of the best teams. Uh, The Sun, of course, the Sparks are one of the top teams in the Western Conference. And it wouldn't shock me. See, these two teams end up in the WNBA Finals. So, as I said, with the loss on Wednesday night, and uh, the Sun don't lose very often uh, in Connecticut at the spectacular Mohegan Sun Arena. Uh, but they're now 6-2. and two. They are in second place in the Eastern Conference to Chicago. And it's going to be an interesting year uh, with the WNBA in that... Uh, They will be taking a five-week break from mid-July to mid-August for the Olympics. And two Sun players, in addition to Tina Charles, as I already mentioned, Asia Jones is also uh, on the U.S. Olympic team. So two Sun players will be playing for the U.S. Olympic team. And uh, that's going to be a great take to watch them. It's... uh, Again, you know, just a gigantic, uh, gigantic event, obviously. But the, within the overall event, I think watching uh, the women's basketball team uh, is going to be fascinating as well. Uh, so, I also want to let you know that I posted the a post-game video interview with Tina Charles on Voice America's YouTube channel. So you can easily view that. And uh, again, Tina Charles is uh, showing all the signs of basically having a Hall of Fame career. Uh, 
Before we get to the end of the show here, another thing I wanted to mention, uh, moving into a different sport, was I happened to tune in to the last couple of innings of Matt Cain's perfect game the other night for the San Francisco Giants. It was absolutely fabulous, fabulous theater. Um, second perfect game this year, and... It was. I, I was actually had the good fortune to go to a game at AT and T Park, right on San Francisco Bay, uh, about three months after it opened back in 1999, and was just simply blown away by its magnificent uh, views, setting, vistas, all of it. Uh, just a spectacular ballpark, and watching that game the other night just made me. Uh, realize how great an atmosphere it had to be having again had the good fortune to have been there when uh, again it was three four months after it opened uh, so there was a lot of energy when I saw it too given it was the opening uh, year of the stadium and finally for my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing it's an easy one it's the US Open from guess what San Francisco by the way I thought that was cool that Kane would pitch his perfect game uh, in San Francisco while the U.S. Open is just about to get underway there. Apparently, uh, Dustin Johnson, the golfer, the longest hitter on the tour, some would say, uh, was at the game as a good friend of Kane's and was there that day or something. Uh, all in all, pretty cool week to be in San Francisco. The night before, Rory McIlroy had thrown out the first ball for what I think was called Irish Heritage Night at AT&T Park. Uh, so, it's great. Uh, to have the U.S. Open on uh, all weekend long. It's on right now on my television, and uh, I'm going to jump right in and watch a little golf from San Francisco. And with that said, I want to thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio.